sea shanties have survived for centuries, far beyond the golden age of seafaring. A lot of them have their roots in New England's maritime culture, especially the culture built around the whaling industry. And recently, sea shanties have enjoyed some renewed attention on social media. But there are still places people can go to sing a good shanty or two. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan, and we're wrapping up our detour into the world of folk music this week. If you're on the social media app TikTok, you may have heard this song earlier in the year. There once was a ship that put to sea. The name of the ship was a bully of tea. The winds blew up her bird. That's Nathan Evans singing Wellerman. The song was at the center of a sea shanty craze on TikTok, which is popular among teens and 20-somethings. Thousands of amateur and professional musicians made their own versions on the app. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the trumpet is done, we'll take our leave and go. Wellerman wasn't originally a sea shanty, it's technically a ballad, but Nathan Evans shantified his version. And he took the rhythm of the song and held it hard and fast, not like a ballad. That's David Coffin. And I am a shanty singer from Gloucester, Massachusetts. So, my name is David Coffin. We're gonna sing some shanties, all right? Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. I started my tour of sea shanty towns at Staten Island's Heritage Park to see David Coffin perform. New York City is toward the southern end of the stretch of whaling towns that once dominated the Northeast. A lot of those whaling towns turn up in songs. And we'll rent and we'll roar like true Yankee whalermen. We'll rent and we'll roar on deck and below until we sight gay head off old Martha's vineyard. Straight up the channel to New Bedford we'll go. David's not just a singer, he's also a folk music educator, and he's got some family history. In 1659, Great-granddaddy Tristram Coffin went out to Nantucket with his wife and nine children and bought the island for 30 pounds and two beaver hats. Tristram and his family learned the art of whaling from the indigenous Wampanoag tribe. The family over the years became ship captains and harpooners and innkeepers, and the Coffin name on Nantucket is everywhere. The Coffin family helped make Nantucket one of America's top whaling ports. In fact, only one town in America had more whaling ships, New Bedford, Massachusetts. And New Bedford may have the ultimate in whaling cred. It's where Captain Ahab's ship set sail in Moby Dick. So I set sail, so to speak, in my car to the New Bedford Whaling Museum. A massive blue whale skeleton hangs over the museum's main lobby. A tube leads down from the skeleton into a container on the wall. Museum curator Michael Dyer explains how it collects the oil that slowly drips off the bones. That blue whale skeleton's going to be dripping oil for the next hundred years. I mean, it's never going to stop. It's, you know, those bones are full of oil. That oil was gold to sailors who spent weeks at a time on the ocean hunting for whales. You could chop up the blubber of the whale and throw it into the furnace and cook out all the oil and put it into a barrel, and you've got a product. Whale oil was used for lamps, candles, soap, and other products. More than 4,000 whaling voyages set sail from New Bedford over a century and a half or so. And this was hard work. Michael leads me on board the museum's replica of a whaling ship. He shows me the capstan, 
That's a huge rotating pulley-like machine used to do things like haul rope, raise sails, or pull up the ship's anchor. This anchor chain, if you're gonna heave up this anchor, and this thing weighs two tons, you gotta get it up off the bottom of the sea, so it takes a full crew working at the capstan to do that. Michael says that crew has to be made up of strong, burly guys who have to haul the rope in unison. Having a rhythmic work song that would keep them amused as well as focused on the job at hand made the job that much easier. That's where you get that heave, ho refrain we still associate with sea shanties. It's very short, very rhythmic. Away, haul away, we'll haul away together. Away, haul away, we'll haul away, Joe. And you pull on Joe. You do it every time until the job is done. The whaling industry died slowly over the late 19th and early 20th centuries. We found other ways to get oil, like coal. New Bedford left the whaling game in the 1920s. Uh, in 1920, there were 70 mills and they employed, you know, 100,000 people. And they began putting their money into, here in New Bedford, cotton textiles. As the last couple of Yankee whalers were limping out of port, the fundamental economy of New Bedford shifted away from whaling. The U.S. banned most whaling in the 1970s. Today, only Japan, Norway, and Iceland still have commercial whaling. But those long-gone songs can still captivate millions. Whalers sang them during the drudgery and isolation of long sea voyages. People on TikTok sang them during the drudgery and isolation of the pandemic. Michael says it's no coincidence people rediscovered sea shanties at a time when we're all starved for community connection. A sea shanty is fundamentally the definition of teamwork. You can't do it alone. You can do it alone, but it's not what it's made for. It's made for people to do together. Whether on TikTok or safely in person, maybe under the guidance of a skilled shantyman like David Coffin. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan, and this ends our tour through some of the rich history of folk music in the Northeast. We'll be back early next year with a new detour. We visit places that played important and sometimes overlooked roles in LGBTQ history, from New York to Boston.